early today. Geologists say this is by far the strongest eruption in the latest series. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com I'm your host, Ryan. Today, we are going to be doing an introspective interview with and forensic cell analysis on Miss Pamela Page. Miss Page is an individual who's thriving in five different careers. Photography, acting, real estate. I mean, she's just doing it all. She's so driven, and she has this spirit where every time I've observed her firsthand around people, she elevates people. She, she drives people. She, she makes them better than where they are, and I think that a lot of people look to her. And she just has a very strong energy. And I want to do this interview with Miss Page because you can tell that she's going to be very, very, very famous soon. So I want to get her before she reaches that big point and we can no longer talk to her. And they cite this show as a good reference. I have to tell you this. Uh, Miss Page and I are uh, relatives. We're not blood-related, but she's basically a family member. And I've known her for a very long time. So I've seen her uh, continue to thrive and be very successful. And it's a great honor to be having her on the show today. So without further ado, let us begin today's show on Miss Pamela Page. Our special guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio show is Miss Pamela Page. Page. She is an artist. She is a photographer. She's an entrepreneur. She's an amazing real estate expert. And she's also a person who's very driven. She's somebody who's accomplished a lot and continues to accomplish a lot. Very artistic. Um, always involved in a lot of big events. So, Miss Pamela Page, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited. Excellent. Miss Page, there are people who want to succeed who maybe they don't put the time or effort in. What makes you so driven that you're succeeding in all different aspects because, you know, you're succeeding in multiple fields of, uh, of industries? Um, well, I haven't always had this much success. The success I've had thus far is just due with trial and error and never giving up and just continuously driving forward and gaining knowledge and surrounding myself with the right-minded people along the way. Okay. So, how what a role it has a? Can you go a little into more about your drive? Like, what is the driving force behind it? I mean, why do why do you decide to put a lot of intensified efforts in? Well, while some may not. Like, what is the driving force behind it? I think it's just the way I was born. Um, okay. I've always been up to no good and shenanigans and digging deep and wanting to find answers. And enough never seemed like it was enough. Um, being satisfied, I just. I'm satisfied for a little bit, and then I, I get bored, and I want more. So it's just something that I've always been like since I was a little girl. Okay, so everyone, I guess, is born their own certain way, and you're naturally born driven, but what are some of the, the um, ways that you could teach people to be driven? What are some of the ways that I guess you would recommend that people can tap into their, their, their inner drive or to become more motivated or more driven to take on their own challenges and own dreams? Man, that is a good question. So as a senior agent at my real estate firm, I had a team of about 30 people, and I tried so many different ways to teach this group of people of all different backgrounds and upbringings. And I have to say there's only two or three people in the room that had drive. And I just don't necessarily know if it's something that you can teach. Either you want it or you kind of want it and kind of doesn't count. I, 
I just don't know if it's something that can be taught. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I wish I could tell you something. Um, if you have any sort of input where you can teach me, because you're also as driven, Ryan, you're very similar to me. I've had numerous people asking that same question. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'll answer the phone at 12 o'clock at night. That's the difference between someone else saying, no, I don't want to answer it. I'm available. Okay. But, you know, I'm kind of curious about this, is that you ask people on average and they, they said, you know, do you want nice things? Do you want to live in a great house? Do you want to have this, you know, amazing life? And they, they think they say yes, but – and then you ask them, I go, well, what are you doing for it? And it's one thing I noticed about some people is that they're really into the lottery. They're they're waiting. I guess they're, they're interested in having it get handed to them. And one thing I've known about you since that time I've known you is that you – I don't see you taking that mentality. It's, it's It always seems to be a, a battle with you. Do you feel that – um in order to be successful, that it has to be a struggle, or can you attain success without struggle? Do you think that um, is it unhealthy? If you are you going in the wrong direction? If you are experiencing so much struggle in a path you perceive to be successful? Such a good question, um, yep. man. I I know on a personal note, I have been through a tremendous <laughs> a tremendous amount of struggle to the point of being homeless and um while pursuing my dreams and then you have other people who have this great education very wealthy parents and they just like things handed to them i never had that luxury so i i'm i don't know i also you know i don't believe in socialism at all, I believe in capitalism. I believe in you reap what you earn, uh, you reap what you sow, and I, I, it's just the way I've been raised. I mean, even when I was growing up on my farm in Texas with my parents, we every single season we would plant the grounds, and we're talking a huge ranch. We would till the ground. We would um, throw the seeds in the ground. My mom would be saying next to me, she's like, reap what you sow, reap what you sow. As I'm throwing the seeds out hand by hand, reap what you sow, and we're singing this song, and then my dad comes over, and we cover up the dirt, and then the next season, we're literally pulling the plants and the food out of the ground that we created, so I have always had that mentality of reap what you sow, you want it, you get it, no one else is going to do it for you, so I, I guess just put that with the drive that I was born with, with, with driven parents, um, and a passion for life, and this is this is what it is. As far as the struggle with people, their different situations and circumstance, uh, I think I think honestly, struggle is healthy. That's really cool that you even asked that. Struggle is healthy because if someone just hands it to you, you it's so much sweeter when you win and you want it on your own. And I live by that. Those values. I want to ask you back to what you were saying about being on the farm and planning. Does that did that teach you a, um, a give you a good structure for patience? What do you learn about farming? What are some of the lessons that uh, what a person could learn from farming? <laughs> if you're going to be a farmer, don't plan on having nice nails or pretty feet, and um, don't plan on making a lot of money. <laughs> so so that's why I don't live there anymore but um as far as did it teach me patience I Ryan I knew I was working so much 
from 5 a.m. in the morning until 10 o'clock at night milking the cows and farming the field and pulling the produce and then shucking the corn and just day after day this is what we did belling the hay and you name it there's always something to do and I was just like my gosh does it ever end um, <laughs> so does it teach patience I, um, I never had time to sit still in order to literally watch the ground grow because I had to go do something else because there's a constant turnover. And what if you have a bad season and one, one thing that you're producing, you got to produce other things. So you have to constantly be um, having numerous plates rotating and strategizing with how to survive solely off the land. Okay. When you think about your childhood and you think about growing up on the farm, are there any lessons that you learned as growing up that were very crucial, um, that would be fundamentally crucial to you having the mentality that you have now for that drive? And are there any lessons that you think that parents should be instilling in their children very early on that maybe the majority of society is not doing right now? Yes. Teach your children how to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir. Old school respect. What is going on with the kids nowadays? I was raised by, my dad was 78 when he passed away, and he was born in 1930, and Ryan, the stories I heard from this man, and what he truly went through in the Great Depression and poverty and not eating for days after days, and how the famine just taking everybody out, and to survive through these, uh, these extreme hardships, and then I look at the children nowadays with like a handout, I, I don't know what the hell has happened in this world, in, in America, where we are all about the American dream and, and getting your 40 acres in a mule and working it. I just feel like there's a huge disconnect, that we're so disconnected from agriculture to, you know, the metropolitan area and big cities. There's, I mean, look at the children. The children don't even know, like, when you, when you literally give elementary kids a group of vegetables to choose from they can't even point out what a cabbage is to a lettuce they don't they don't even have these basic fundamentals of what feeds their life <laughs> so as far as what parents can instill in their children teach them the basic necessities okay so teach them the stuff where food comes from yeah manners basic manners, things mannerisms man like oof I just a simple yes, ma'am, no, sir. I would get backhanded if I disrespected my parents real quick. I wouldn't eat the food that I that I helped plant. There was no room for that, and I just I don't know. There's something going on with the children nowadays, and I'm very very disappointed. You know, it's not the first time I've heard that. Uh, somebody, a couple people I've worked with, say that they really don't want anything to do with millennials. Do you think it's a generational, um, uh, we call it a generational waste, or one way? Do you think there's any hope for millennials from your perspective? Is there anything that they could actually be doing to turn their lives around, or is there anything that they could be doing to turn their lives around? Oh my God, that's a, I, wow. Um, I know that a lot of the millennials have have voiced the same thing that I was just talking about. They're like, you know, I have this high school education. I don't even know how to sew a button on my shirt or how to do this and that because they're so involved in 
um, social media and their, their nose to an iPad, they almost are losing the uh, disconnect from their friend sitting across from them. It's just, it's just a whole new wave slash rage of technology that we're losing a lot of the human interactivity and connection with Mother Earth. And what can they do to to turn it around? It starts with our schools and our laws and and discipline. There are people who might be strong academic. There are people who can ace a test. They know they can recite facts, and they they they're very they have book smarts. And then there are people who have street smarts. And I wanted to ask, from your perspective, what do you think has a stronger value in this world? book smarts or street smarts and do you need to have a balance of both or can you be very successful utilizing either one or the other absolutely all the above you can be very successful if you are really good at one thing but you need to know how to delegate and delegate to the right person to fill that hole or in like my case i'm very good at both things so i um i like to to have that knowledge about running my own business from being street smart and book smart but yeah you can definitely have it all you just got to be smart enough to know how to delegate and do it with precision and, and choosing that person correctly one thing I've observed about you over a number of years is you seem to have a very um, warm way of persuading people to get excited about products that you're working on I mean you worked on I don't know how many projects and how many events and how many movies and you've been the person as it was there was orchestrating crews of hundreds and you've gotten people so involved and so pumped up and the question I have is how does a person sell others and get others excited about their vision what are some of the ways that you've uh, presented visions to others and what are some of the ways that uh, you've gotten people excited about your vision and actually how can that same uh, principles and skill sets be applied to others who wish to do the same thing, Pam? Good question. Thank you for asking. You. Um, oh, yay. What a fun question to answer. Huh. Okay, where do I start? Um, I'm honest. I'm honest and I do everything with such vigor and the projects that I create are so unique and I mean, my, my logo that I use for my photography is Pamela Page something different. I always go for something different that's so outside the box where people are just taken by surprise um, by what it is because it's so unique. Um, and just, just really having thorough plans from storyboards to whatever I need to do with materials to present so I can paint in a picture for people, and then I just align myself with the appropriate parties to make that happen. Because so you're, you're saying you, you do things even if you're doing a business-related project, you do a visual storyboard of it, even if it's just some. Oh yeah, I absolutely I visualize it in my head first, and I strategize. I'm like, does this make sense? Is this worth my time? How am I making money, and can I impact the world doing this? Pam, when you present an idea to a group of individuals and you want to get them excited about it, 
what are some of the main principles behind every idea that you do? You said that you're, there's three rules or three uh, key ingredients or maybe more key ingredients before you, you decide you wish to go forward with an idea. Absolutely. Um, I always visualize the product um, and strategize if it's going to be able to impact the world. Will I make money? Is it going to be worth my time? And will other people be affected by what I've created? When you say affected by it, what do you mean uh, affected? Um, I like people to be affected by what they see. I don't want them just to look at something I've created and be like, oh, well, and not remember it. But when people see what I do, they remember it because it is almost either slap in the face visually or it's a, a tickle on the ribs you know, with some slapstick comedy, it really just depends on the current mood I'm in when I create. But um, it's always something that people will remember. My my logo that I go by in photography is Pamela Page Something Different because I yearn to always make something different. Outside the box thinking is where I am my happiest. Who are some of the people that you've admired that have impacted you as far as uh, giving you strong mentality for success? And also, what are some of the things you'd recommend to other people in order for them to become successful? Are there any books that you should be reading? Are there any um, people they should be looking up to? Like, what are you, What's your take on that? Um, well, my biggest person in my life that, um, that really saw me as an artist before I even could draw was my mother. Um, my mom was Ooh, she was fierce, <laughs> um, a fierce woman to, to deal with, and in a good way. She didn't take, she didn't take anything from anybody. Um, and as far as like the, the icons, one of my favorite people was Mae West. Um, I just loved her so much. I actually played her in a couple of um, school plays, and I did a monologue with her, of her, and I just, I love everything about Mae West, um, from her quotes to, she was just ahead of her time, she didn't care, um, man, I, I wish she was here. Sometimes I like to think I'm the reincarnated um, Mae West. <laughs> you just maybe. Maybe, she died in 1980, I was born in 1980. Yes, and also let's just remind everyone that when Pam was born, Mount St. Helens was erupting that, while this was happening. Yeah, that is correct. Yes, yes, you, 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 the world was the world knew that you were being born. I am telling you. <laughs> Very um, as far as the, um, you know, you do business and you also do artistic creativity, and what I want to know is that uh, can is you. Sorry, does your brain change when you're doing both? I mean, do you, can a person, are you into your left brain or right brain? And also, can a person be successful in both? Yeah, of course a person can be successful in both if they have the brain folds necessary. <laughs> um, as far as being able to turn on my creative side to the um, numbers side, it is, it, 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 it's definitely... It's difficult because when I'm really thinking outside the box, I need to be in that realm for weeks to months, um, and which is why I'm so very thankful for real estate because during the busy season, I can be all about numbers and strategizing. Um, and even though, yes, I can creatively strategize and go and photograph pictures of these you know, beautiful listings, 
Um, it's still very much straightforward. There is not a whole lot of outside-the-box thinking you can do, even though I love my career. I love the people. It's so much fun. Um, but doing both, I really try not to do both at the same time because it's crucial for me to give 100% to my real estate and my clients. It's an extremely highly demanding job, and I really want to do the best I can for all of my clients. And then within my art, I don't want to deprive the world um, of what I can truly produce. And, and sometimes that takes me um, in going into very, very dark places. And I don't need to be in dark places when I'm with my clients because they're expecting a happy person. But some, a lot of artists get, you know, we like the Hemingways and we just have to get dark sometimes to create some of the best things. Pam, there are people who put their personal life online and there are those who don't do it. And I want to know when you present more of your personal life to people, or you're more revealing with your life to people, does that make you more relatable in the business world? Or do you think that there's a fine line between what a, what a person should put out in public and what they should keep in private? Um, I think that's just all depending on the person you're, you're asking. I mean, you ask some of these big-time reality stars, if you really want to call them stars, because they're putting out their how do I say this in the nicest way? <laughs> They're just literally putting out crap and people just love to feed their brain with nonsense. And um, so you, you have that side and then you have other realms um, of like true legit darkness. Um, you know, a lot of the reality stuff is made up and producers put a lot of pressure on these people and, twist stories around, but as far as, I'm not trying to deviate too much from your question, but I, I, I personally um, don't care what people think about me, and I literally just got off the phone with one of my clients, um, my, one of my buyers, his name is Brian, and, and he's like, you know, I see your Facebook post, he's like, I can tell you're going through a hard time, he's like, you let, you know, let me take you to dinner, I, like, just like, the most amazing things. I had one of my other clients who just like shows up to my art show and he's like, I can see that you need some help. Like I just love that. And I'm just surrounding myself with real people that have real problems and also really successful because life is a roller coaster ride and we each learn from the other person. And um, I, I don't know. I'm just all about being honest and real, and that's why people love me or hate me, and I don't really care which one it is. I prefer the love, but I'm not going to be a people pleaser and trying to make people and be fake for someone's for them to feel comfortable. I have no time for that. Okay. <laughs> so you know what? At one point, we're going to get to the beginning of you had some traumatic events that have happened in your life you had two near-death experiences can you please uh, tell uh, our audience what happened to you and then also explain what happened to you um, when you had a major accident how that changed your life oh yeah so I've been 
I'm spiritually inclined because of these traumas, but I call these traumas also um, gifts, if you will, in, in life, because it really opened me up to a whole nother realm or Pandora's box, if you will, of um, the spirit world. Um, when I was eight years old, I had an outer body experience. I drowned in a swimming pool. I was not aware of how to swim, and um, I witnessed my body floating, detaching from myself, floating up into this white tunnel, and I was literally, and I flipped my spirit body over, and I'm just, I'm looking at the people jumping off the diving board onto my head, I've been floating down, gasping for air, and I just feel such peace, and no pains or anything, and then I watched someone jump in, grab me, and pull me out, and they have to resuscitate me, and then my body comes, my spirit comes back into my body, the very next day, and this is on a family vacation, God did not want me in heaven yet. He was probably like, oh, i got to keep a special one. He's probably like, I need some more time. This is my vacation. Yeah, yeah exactly. The family vacation. I drowned one night. The very next day we go, we're in Texas. We're um, in San Antonio um, at this place called Enchanted Rock. It's the largest granite rock in the world. And I'm reading my map upside down because I don't really know how to read. I'm only eight. Um, you would think I would be like under my mom's wing um, because of what happened to me before. But, oh, no, no. I had to venture off, go to the steepest part of the mountain, trip on rocks, and I start rolling down a 360-foot drop. And the only thing that catches me from me falling into complete oblivion is a sticker bush. And I have a picture of the bush and the, um, the actual rock. And, and, and where I got caught. I mean, it's in Texas, but literally God was like, no, you are, John, you are not. No. Yeah. no, I still need to make a question. Okay, no, I've got a question that I'm sure everyone who's listening right now has got to be asking. And that the first question is that, did your dad lose all of his hair after that? <laughs> and did everyone around you start drinking heavily after this? Um, my dad, my dad told my mom, my dad, cause I had to get a whole bunch of stitches on my, on my, on the back of my head. I got a concussion from the uh, second incident on the family vacation. My dad's like, you are never taking my little girl on a family vacation again. I show up back <laughs> home. My head's completely in bandages. <laughs> so, so that was that was the family vacation. I remember my mom looking back at me in the RV and, she, and I'm just like, I'm like thinking to myself, I almost died twice back to back. Like God hates me. Like I'm not good enough to be an angel yet. <laughs> so this is my, no, no, God's trying to tell you. No, no. So, no, vacation. so this happened yeah. when I was eight. Um, fast forward, but not too fast. I'm 10 years old, summer vacation, um, two weeks out of, was I in fourth grade going into fifth grade and um, my mom, myself, and my sister, we are driving in our truck doing about 20 miles an hour and we just left the um, supermarket and we look right, we look left, there's a whole bunch of 18 wheelers on the left side so we're easing up on the railroad tracks, 
making sure that the train's not coming on the left and we get hit on the right side and that those I still get flashes of that um I my sister ended up getting decapitated and I um hit my head so hard where I still wear a ten and a half inch scar across my forehead um I hit so hard on the actual dashboard I fly out the back of the truck window um I still have scars on my back fly 364 feet where I almost hit right under the train, but instead I hit on the rocks and um, just lay there while the train comes to a screeching halt. My mom gets thrown out of the truck and I don't get knocked out. I'm in complete shock and I'm trying to get up to run to my family and I can't because my foot is completely just dangling off. So I'm dragging my body um to them screaming for them and it's just man ryan they like literally they had a the the ems literally the ems was on the other side of the train track so they couldn't even get to us they the the ambulance couldn't get to us so they had to like go between the the um the actual cars with the stretcher and um and I, I witnessed them pulling the white sheet over my sister as I'm looking out the ambulance. Um, I'm screaming bloody murder. They have to strap me in because I'm just like in complete and absolute shock. And I'm trying to run around and my mom's screaming. It was just just the most horrifying experience. I still have nightmares from it from time to time. Um, I... So it was your, your... They were both pronounced dead at the scene? No, no. My sister, Galen as the only one that passed away. My mom uh, survived. And yeah, so, so my sister my sister died. Um, three days later, in the hospital, she, no, no, I'm sorry, no, no. Three days later, I found out she passed away, but I, I already knew she died because I, I with what I saw. But um, it, it, was, it was just such a shock to me. And then after I got released from the hospital, it was, I, I couldn't make it to her funeral. And it was like day, I think it was like day 10. I had this dream, um, such a different dream whenever I'm connecting to the other side um, compared to my normal dreams. And I have very elusive dreams, but um, it's just a different feeling. And this time I, I had long blonde hair and I was sleeping and, and I have a dream that my sister and I are riding bikes together, and she came up to me, and she yanked my hair, which is what she would have done, and underneath my bed, Ryan, my hair gets yanked. I jump up. I, I get goosebumps down my neck, and I knew my sister was in the room with me, telling me she crossed over, and I'm like 10 years old, and I, I just knew these things and I do consider them gifts um, because most people even as Christian or whatever um, religion they are they'll search their whole entire lifetime to get to experience some of these um, amazing experiences I've had with different spiritual entities and I'm so confident that there is a life hereafter, um, which is apparently why I'm on your show for the outer limit, (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, but yeah, man, these are all true accounts. That's amazing. Now that whole experience, just if you look at that in that one event, what did that do? fundamentally to change your perception on life for the rest of since that time well how did that impact you I'd say that maybe the two biggest things that that did impact you yeah definitely um I I, life is short kids are mean that's what I found out wait wait, kids were kids are taunting you yeah like I got bullied so bad when I went back to school it was horrible Brian it they literally it, it was so bad I I just, I can't even believe that parents would allow their children to be like that because I... They were bullying you because you, you, you said your, your sister died in a train crash? Yeah, because their parents were talking all this smack about things that weren't even true because they, have not, they had nothing else better to do in this small little town but just talk nonsense and... um. And, you know, with their parents' mouth, it rubs off on the children, which brings me back to with the millennials, like, what's going on? Look at the direct source. Look at the parents. question is, ask the parents what's going on. So, um, yeah, that I was bullied, and it was um, the start of a very long, hard life for me after that. Up until now, because things change, and yes. Well, when this thing happened, did you have an increase in sensitivity, a metaphysical insensitivity? Were you able to perceive spirits? Were you able to be more sensitive to others' feelings in ways that you hadn't been before this event had occurred? Um, I was always hypersensitive when it came to animals. I'm very, very hypersensitive in their feelings. Remember, I was raised on a ranch, so I, my, <laughs> me interacting with other kids was just only in school. And, um, but, you know, from, for eight years, I wasn't really around a lot of people or socialized because I was on a ranch. My friends were my animals and we had a great time together. (laughs) So, um, but being sensitive to, to animals and being able to read animals and their disposition. My mom was a dog groomer as well. And she was very great, just amazing with animals, the dog whisperer. And um, she, you know, she always told me, she's like, I could always read animals. She goes, but I can never read people. And she goes, that's why I choose to be around animals, because I'll know if they're going to bite me a person. I'll never know if they'll stab me in the back. And just with that alone um, taught me how to read animals and, and how and I couldn't understand how people couldn't be as genuine and as, um, having unconditional love such as animals. Like I always had that as a little girl and that's why my mom kept me away from people because she said people are mean and cruel and you don't have that in you. And I, she told me I, I just didn't because I wasn't raised like that. And um, and yeah, so when I went back to school, I, I had to endure a lot. And then oh. I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to be crying to my mom because she was going through some trauma. She just buried her child like just cruel and it really taught me to defend myself i I got into many fights in schools and because i realized that being a nice person and and crying and and praying for them wasn't doing it i literally had to beat people's ass to get off me 
And then I developed a different persona of this like badass person. Don't mess with her. She's raged. And I, why, why do, why am I raged? Because you, <laughs> you are pushing me to a point of no return at the age of 10. Pam, um, those kids that should have been vacuumed out of the womb. <laughs> Had they, <laughs> I'm not making any friends today. I don't care. Uh, yeah, you taught me. I don't, don't care. I'm like, oh, it's a lesson learned from Pamela Page. Um, if they had not been bullying you, would you have ever developed that sense of fighting? And do you now feel that that sense of you know that that development of your defending yourself served you very positively throughout the course of your life? Absolutely, okay. without a shadow of a doubt. I am so, so thankful. For them and many of them I'm still friends with on you know through social media platforms and I look at their life and I look at mine and I just said thank God for you and what you did to me thank you did you make peace with them have you um, brought peace to a lot of these people peace. made peace with yeah them? my peace is in my success but I mean have you individually solved like told those people who who created that pain for you? Have you brought have you forgiven them and have they forgive have they asked, sought your forgiveness for what they did? Um, you know, it's never really discussed. I also, you know, when we're when we're growing, we all go through different periods in life. Your brain's not quite as developed. We are the product of our environment. Who knows? They probably were going through hell at at, at their house. So I don't know. I mean, of course I forgive them. And I, I'm honestly thankful for, for the pain that they caused me now because I probably wouldn't be this strong, independent woman as I am now. And speaking of strong, independent women, you, you mentioned Mae West before, but are there other people in the modern era that which we live in that you would define as strong female archetypes the ones that uh, people in our generation could look up to and see. Of course. I mean, of course we have the staple, Angelina Jolie. That, what that woman does, has done, will do until the end of her time and, and the story that is going to be told after she passes. Wow. That's what is it about her that you, that you admire so much? Just her love for all people. Um, and her actions, not just her words, um, how progressive she is, how she adopted a child before she even had a man. And she just is such a strong alpha woman and she has a heart of gold and so much talent. Um, I just adore her and, and she really is a woman that I look up to and just go, wow. That she's somebody. Yeah, that's it's pretty amazing. And I, I I always thought that you you were going to connect with Cameron Diaz too. She looks like somebody that, that you guys. Really oh like. yeah, how could I forget about my girl Cameron? Definitely, I finally got to meet her. Everyone thought that we were twin sisters. Yeah, I think you guys are twin. I always <laughs> thought that you yeah, you guys look very similar. And you know, we actually talk the same. Our um, demeanor is the same. She was. I went to um, see one of her seminars. It was very intimate, thank goodness, and um, had great seats too. And you know, she was talking about her uh, the body book that she just released, and um, just her demeanor on stage. I mean, she literally was up on stage, flipping people off. You know, just 
she's just funny. She has. She reminds you. I saw a lot of similarities to you. I, we have to see if you guys are connected on some kind of soul level. I'll tell you, we'll have time for uh, two more questions. And one of the questions I want to ask you is, is um, if there is a person who has experienced a traumatic event or has experienced hardship, what do you recommend for them to um, to heal and to recover and to kind of push their life on a path of progression of happiness and healing? Uh, good question. I can only say this because I'm going through it right now. And um, I am trying to mend my heart. And I, thanks to you and your show, I was able to do a remote healing with um, Jeff Casper. And I literally felt him working on me. I think he's in Colorado. I'm here in New York. And I literally could feel him working on me and I have a Skype call with him because I, I want to know how he did it. Like it's just to me, metaphysics, the coolest thing. And um, so I'm working on repairing my heart and uh, I went to this spiritual um, healer. She practices um, like all these native American techniques and man, Ryan, after I got done with her, her name is Anya. I give you her information. Oh, Ryan, I felt like I was levitating. I felt like I literally just skimmed across wait, wait. six inches off the ground to go so, and talk. Yeah, go ahead. So you think that somebody should do this, that they should contact Jeff Castro, they should contact – I mean, these things are applying to you, but in general, what can a person do um, to – do you recommend that they yeah. are to heal? Just fixing your heart, fixing your spirit, um, aligning yourself, readjusting yourself, detoxifying your environment – burning sage, getting right with yourself, juicing, you know, don't turn to the fun things, uh, the drugs and alcohol. I mean, literally that's the opposite as far as fixing your spirit and, um, you know, get a spiritual healer, go to church, find Jesus, go help somebody, get right with yourself. So can you find Jesus even without religion? I mean, do you, do you need to go to that? How do you, is there any other way you could do it? Um, I always believe that as students, we need teachers. And you can't teach unless, I mean, there's those that's born with the gift, but you have to, even those with gifts have mentors to learn how to, to funnel the energy. And it's all just about training. So, um, can you do it on your own? No. We, we all need help. Um, it's going to take you longer if you do it on your own. You may, you'll probably get there, hopefully, but find a good, strong mentor and, and see if there's a nice connection because not every mentor and person is going to be the right one for you. It's all about the, the connection and the, the chemistry that you share um, with that person. So... Yeah. Miss Pamela Page. She is a entrepreneur. She is an artist. She's a successful um, business professional. Very charismatic. Huge, huge heart. If you think about the average American waistline, you times that by like 50. That's Pamela Page. <laughs> <laughs> and we can learn more about Miss Pamela Page. By going to her website at PamelaPage.com, and you can also find her number scribbled in most gentlemen's restrooms all across the country. Yes, for a good time, <laughs> make sure you call me. Boys. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Great honor to have you with us today, Miss Page. Thank you, darling. Bye. Joining us now is the Phoenix Rising, 
globally respected psychic medium, Miss Carrie O'Connor. A little more about Miss Carrie O'Connor. Get a reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about Miss Pamela Page? Miss Pamela Page is a seeker of seekers. She's an explorer. I love that she referred to. I love to be outside of the box, outside of the box, think outside of the box. And what I found fascinating, Ryan, is when she was born, the moment that Mount St. Helen abrupted. <laughs> that is really um, significant to me because she comes in with that fire volcano kind of energy that she doesn't hear the word no. She talks about her mother being fierce. She has that same fierceness that I speak of a lot. Where she gets people activated is that she's that direct line to her heart in that heart energy she's passionate about. She's fired. It feels warm. And it literally ignites other people. So she's not only a seeker where she's, um, I know she spent lifetimes as an explorer. I saw Lewis and Clark, like that kind of thing over in Europe. So she's done this many, many, many times. And she's not afraid of foreign languages, foreign um, places. And if anything, She's really uh, developed a taste for going into the, the dark and foreign places where a lot of people wouldn't go into. And I love the way she described the left and right brain, where she literally has to be in that right brain for months at a time. So she really gets into exploring, again, the, the dark places that the right brain, the unconscious, subconscious patterns, you know. And she, you know, talks about other artists that, like Hemingway, that had a difficult time relating to it and ended up committing suicide. She's balanced with the left brain where she could flip to the numbers, do her real estate, do the other number things. And she says she, she flips it where it's difficult. When I look in the middle of her brain, she's got a pathway from her third eye to her occipital bone. It looks like a goal path. That shows me how she does go between the left and the right. And, again, she could experience it difficult, and I could understand being months in that downloading mode of that creative energy and then go to – something very linear, I also have to adjust my energy. And at times it's almost like your eyes have to adjust. Like if you've been in a movie theater and you go out during the daytime and your eyes kind of do that thing, that's what it could feel like at first. But she's an amazing woman. A lot of respect for her. Excellent. And do you see anything about picking up anything about her past lives? I thought it was interesting that she wondered if she was a reincarnation of Mae West. I'm not seeing her as a literal reincarnation of a Mae West but she definitely had time in the theater before that wasn't too far back. It was right during the um, change of the century where she was an outside-the-box thinker. I'm also seeing her taking roles where she was a female and she dressed up as male and even got male roles where she tricked the people. It's almost like the opposite of that Tootsie role, that um, Tootsie movie. Yep. That guy that ended up being dressed up as a female. I think it was Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, there you go. So she's done that, and, and that's in her energetic history. And, again, it was toward the beginning of the 1900s. And then she was uh, got found out about, about it. And a lot of people, like, energetically, symbolically stoned her because they felt betrayed. But she set a seed in, in the theater that is still having the effects to this day of people being backing themselves up when they have a role and they have to go outside of the box. That backing up is so important because that's the difference between achieving something and not achieving it. And Ms. O'Connor, do you sense that her mother, father, and sister who in the spirit world are currently with her, are they doing anything to help her, to inspire her, to even look out for her in this waking reality? Absolutely. They look like a triangle behind her. So the dad is on the right side, the mom's on the left side, and the sister stands directly behind her, and they do this U-shape where 
they have all different forms of a light. The father shows me a lighthouse, so he helps her see the future. The mom gives her that, again, fierce energy. And where their sister lines her, it's right in her blo- a blind spot, but it gives her this soul support where whenever she feels, again, especially emotional or lost, she helps align what I call the inner compass, and that aligns us to our inner self, our own guides, our own higher self, the celestial world, and they really help with that. And last question I have for you, Mr. Connor. Is there any particular issue that Ms. Page should be working on for this life incarnation? Is there anything that she's specifically here to work on, to work through, or is there anything that uh, is hindering her capability of reaching a uh, level of peak growth? It's a part of Pamela's energy, I call it, she's an outside in-person. So she, her journey here, Ryan, is to activate and touch a lot of people. When people have her energy pattern, a lot of times when it comes to personal relationships, um, that could be the challenge, right? And it's like being able to bridge success in really personal relationships that she has when she ignites other people. She's, it's, she's come a long way with it, and she's coming further this actually next couple of years for her, especially February of this um, 2017. She's making a major turning point in that part of her life where it's like releasing past heartache and pain and suffering and sacrifice, even past life residual hangovers that's really going to illuminate her to her next phase. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets this project getting dropped in her lap that's out of the blue that is very different at the end of November, and that's going to bring her to a new height of awareness and um, artistic creativity and, again, being able to show people visually how to think outside of the box. Beautiful. Excellent. Miss Carrie O'Connor, it was a really great analysis of Miss Pamela Page. I want to thank you so much. To learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and to get a reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor, please go to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Thank you so much, Miss O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. It's always my pleasure. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, Miss Constance Salas. You can learn more about Ms. Constance Dallas and get your chart done with Ms. Constance Dallas by going to her website at ConstanceDallas.com. Ms. Dallas, what can you tell us about your chart reading analysis on Ms. Pamela Page? Well, lucky for us and lucky for me, um, I have not only her birthday year, but also the time, which is not always the case um, unless somebody knows it, uh, and she knew it. So we have an accurate chart And uh, Pamela is a Taurus, but the more, let's say, telling part of her chart, I mean, she's still a Taurus, is the Gemini influence, moon in Gemini and also Gemini rising. So for the little bit of the interview that I listened to, um, you were asking her about her drive, and she said, well, I just get bored. And that is the hallmark of the ever-restless but uh, eternally interested in things, Gemini. So with her rising sign and her moon sign in Gemini, uh, she has, she's multi-talented and will always be so. And always looking for different ways to um, get her message out. And that would be in many different directions. Um, and the Taurus, so she, she also deals in real estate, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a given for most Taurian people. They, the Taurus is an earth sign and Gemini is an air sign. And the, the, the Taurus earth says, I, I want as many pieces of this earth as I can get. 
and has an absolute instinct for markets and houses and how to um, sell that and also um, capitalize on it um, in terms of um, investments and, and money. So she she knows very well from her chart that you know money's important, but just making money is not so interesting, uh, and it has to be an expression of her uh, artistic uh, abilities, which she has a lot of. Do you see anything in her chart, life chart, that would indicate she's going to have three or four major life changes or, or shifts in perspective? Or do you see it as something where it is an ongoing progressive path along the line without so much of a deviation as far as dramatic perceptions shifts? Uh, you mean kind of uh, shocks to the system? Correct. Yeah. Mm. Creative roundabout turn of events, yes, definitely. Um, it's a hard question to answer. She she has a lot of um, planets, three, in the 12th house. And the 12th house is the hidden part of the chart. And usually there is a past life influence that is very important um, or many past life um, uh, influences. And so I, I would say that if something bubbles up from her unconscious or her past life consciousness, she could do an abrupt about face and, you know, sell the houses, get out, do, do something very, very different and more, we'll say, um, spiritually uh, connected. I mean, not, that's not to say what she's doing now isn't unconnected, but more reclusive. She's not a very reclusive person, but she she just might become for a while. Um, if you're th alluding to something health-wise, um, she has a lot of sensitivities to atmosphere. And um, if there ever is, I mean, uh, Taurus is a pretty strong sign, and she's got a highly tuned nervous system. So I don't see, quote-unquote, disease or difficulty in that department. But if she has any kind of imbalance in her system, it's going to take a while to figure it out because of the Neptune presence in her house of health. So it would be very um, good for her to uh, detoxify, you know, kind of stay on the straight and narrow as far as um, good food, low drugs, no drugs, um, and drinking go. So I guess... I don't really understand what you mean by um, uh, shocks. Oh, the shocks. I was just wondering if there was a point in time where, if you look at her chart, she's somebody who's going to experience, uh, she's going to have a, a perception about life and reality that was going to be continually shifting. Sometimes a person opens their perception or they close their perception based on the events that are happening in their lives, based on their trajectory. I was trying to inquire to see if she was going to have major, like three or four or five different major shifts that fundamentally shake her foundation of how she perceives reality. Mm, I don't know about that. Okay. I really don't. Okay. Taurus is a pretty solid citizen. And her mental acumen and ability to uh, do different, uh, try on different ideas is very strong. But she comes back to her original focus. Uh, 
Miss Constance Sellis, the Astro Phenom. I want to thank you for your wonderful analysis, Miss Pamela Page. To learn more about Miss Constance Sellis and get a reading done, sorry, and get a chart done, <laughs> Constance Sellis, please go to her website at ConstanceSellis.com. Thank you so much, Miss Sellis. My pleasure. My pleasure. Joining us now is the clairvoyant cowgirl, an internationally respected psychic medium and empath, Miss Lisa Casa. You can learn more about Miss Lisa Casa. Get a soul analysis with Ms. Lisa Kaza by going to her website at lisacaza.com. Ms. Kaza, what can you tell us about Ms. Pamela Page? Well, firstly, I'll say that for once, I actually listened to the interview. You Normally, I go into my analysis without even listening to the interview, but this time I did, and I'm glad that I did, because I felt that uh, Pamela had a couple of questions, because I feel that she's um, really growing spiritually speaking and so I think she's looking for some of these answers and a few things stuck out for me that I figured I would focus on now the first the, the first thing was the the two of you made the you made a joke saying that well maybe she was Mae West in a past life unfortunately that's impossible <laughs> okay. um because uh just with logic um Mae West passed on about six months after Pamela was born. So it, that's, it's impossible. However, I do find this very interesting that she actually does have a connection to Mae West, and that's why she has such a love for her. Um, okay. I, what kind of connection do you see? W- sense? Well, I hear the, the word, well, words, I'll say, Firstly, I'm seeing this as a, as a fashion model, uh, 18, late 1800s or mid to late 1800s. But of course, fashion model in those times, of course, would be like black and white photography kind of thing. Um, definitely not what you'd see in the modern day world. Um, and I hear, I think it's a name, Tilly. And that's who I believe or what I believe Pamela's name was back then. Um, very close to May. Um, she, I'm being told, was the only one, well, one of the only ones that really supported May in her career um, path, which whatever May wanted to do, um, Pamela in that lifetime was her full 110% supporter um, she loved everything that May did. And so she carried on this love of May into this lifetime. Now, the actual connection that she has, um, I'm hesitant, but I'm going to want to say that she was quite possibly her mother. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, um. If uh, I don't know anything about May West or her mother or anything like that, so... If someone wants to do some research, if Pamela wants to do research herself and find out, because like I said, I I did come up with a name of Tilly, which is really odd, an odd name. So if she can find that, uh, maybe that was her mother's name. I'm not sure. But that's that's the connection that I'm feeling. So she definitely does have this connection to Mae West. It's just not Mae West herself. Now, the second thing that, of course, really stuck out out of the entire interview was the fact 
the Mount St. Helens was erupting during her birth. There is something to that. Um, I was told in my meditation that um, not just Pamela, but other people as well, who were in fact born around that time, um, what was happening was they were basically, in basic layman's terms, they were going to be taking on the personality traits of what you would see in terms of like what a volcano represents. Um, that sounds a little bit confusing, but I'll explain in a minute. It'll, I'll fit the pieces together in a second. So after I was told that, the next thing that came into my head was um, she has a very strong, um, I guess you say, ascended master working with her through her entire life. And the name I got was uh, Pele, the goddess of fire, and it's a Hawaiian ascended master. And I found this really interesting that uh, Pele, she um, presents trials and challenges to the human race with the expectation of producing strength and development. So this is where I feel Pamela has gotten a lot of her strength from and the trials and the challenges that she has had to overcome. She's been working with and through Pele. Now, Pele is also connected to Volcano. (laughs) That's how I connected the dots there. So if you take that into consideration of her, her, um, uh, I guess if, if you want to call a spirit guide, that's basically who it is for her, an ascended master. Um, now I, I try to explain um, what a volcano represents metaphysically speaking. Firstly, it incorporates all four elements, earth, air, fire, water. So that means uh, if the person is very well grounded and very well rounded on top of that because they have elements of all four elements. For example, earth would be to remain rooted in our uh, foundational beliefs. And take a look at Pamela. She is very, I don't want to say old school, but she's very much like me. She considers the strong morals of strong values and, um, life was back in the day this way it should be today and I fully agree Um, and then air it can make you ask yourself questions like what kind of smoke signals am I sending out there so like am I communicating effectively look how she communicates through her uh, through her art for example just her art alone sends out very strong um, communication to, to people and what kind of effects are there in terms of my thoughts and actions. Another thing that I see that Pamela does quite frequently in all aspects of her work. So I found it very, very, very interesting that she has this connection going on between the, the volcano and, and the Paley goddess of fire. Uh, Ms. Kaza, when I first met Ms. Page, I guess one of the first things I thought about when I met her, I was like, oh my goodness, this is the reincarnation of Kangas Khan. <laughs> I just it's the first thing, one of the first things that got stuck out of my mind. And do, you, do you see any connection with her and Kangas Khan? I mean, I don't know, maybe uh, personality-wise, or you know, the fact that maybe she killed a bunch of people in the last lifetime, or she was just a warrior or something. I don't know. She just always seemed to have this like warrior aura about her. When I didn't know that 
resonated with you. No, I have to say I I don't pick that up at all. And I, I actually wasn't being shown any other past life than what I was seeing in terms of the connection with Mae West, which again, like I say, it is there. There is a connection. But I wasn't seeing anything um, as her being a warrior. I am getting just now that she was a, more of a witness okay. to something. Um some kind of like major, major trauma and war. Um, like I'm seeing, okay, so it's like rolling green hills. That to me represents Ireland. And it's going back, I'd have to say, 1400s. And I see her with another little girl. So, I, And I think that they're sisters and they're running through these fields, these green fields for as far as the eye can see. And it's just like her parents, I, I believe what happened in this lifetime was that her parents were killed. I do not know how. I'm not seeing that part. However, I am picking up the very distinct attitude of, well, damn you, I'm never going to let this happen again in my life, ever again, and I'm going to fight kind of thing. I don't want anyone or anything taken from me ever again. So I guess I, I believe that that could very well be um, at least one of the catalyst behind her her the, the driving force behind her so to speak in this lifetime uh, a final question I have for you Miss Casa is this Miss Page's mother father and sister are all in spirit at the present moment are, is there any collective message or messages they're trying to relay to Miss Page at the present moment I'm getting a very loud and resounding let go and I believe, yeah, and I believe what that is referring to could very well be her the heartache and the trauma that she has endured in her life, especially in terms of their loss or their passing. Um, I feel that she is carrying a heavy burden in terms of that, and I think that like uh, she had mentioned that she has been working with uh, Chris Krepsik, or was it Jeff Casper? Uh, Casper, Casper yep. yeah. He's going to be helping with her, helping her a lot with with this letting go aspect. But I believe that um, through that work with him, she's going to get the very same message from from her sister and parents, the same same message of let go. It's okay to let go, um, and that, that they're actually there with her. They're giving her the strength. I think actually it was her sister that could very well have um, encouraged her in a way, in order to seek the assistance of Jeff Casper. So I, I think that it was her sister that led her to that. But um, another thing that I'll say, and, and we're talking about, you know, healing, like she's needing to heal, and she is wanting to grow spiritually. So the message that I'm also getting is because, because she is, in fact, connected very strongly to, to the earth, um, I highly recommend that if she wants to utilize some gemstones and crystals to help her, um, they will do extremely well for her. She's going to find them very powerful, um, not just with her own healing and growth, but also in terms of success in business, in whatever path she wants to go. She can make those crystals work like uh, a finely tuned piano if she if she desires. And the next thing I'm being told, <coughs> excuse me, is, and this is something I think that she needs perhaps encouragement with, 
um, I don't know if this is in her mind right now, but it may be in the near future. But within five to seven years, I'm seeing a book being written, at least one. Like I'm being told that there's about at least five, six books inside Pamela. And I feel that within about five years, just five to seven years, I'm seeing one of these books coming out. And it's going to be a huge success. Huge. Awesome. But I think she needs to hear that so that she can kind of, you know. Get the work on it. Yeah, get up off her, her butt. I think she's, I don't know what it is, what's holding her back, whether it's, I don't think it's a fear of failure. That's not in her. Um, I'm not sure what this is that's holding her back, but she does need that little bit of a encouragement, a little bit of a nudge to get going because it's uh, very much needed, actually. She's got a lot of wisdom in her, a lot of life lessons, a lot of experiences that should be passed along that she knows she knows it, but she, she does need the encouragement to get the word out there. And when she does, she's going to be extremely successful, and I see her traveling a lot as well, promoting the books, doing a lot of speaking as a result. Miss Lisa Kozla, the clairvoyant cowgirl, an internationally respected psychic medium and empath. Thank you for your fantastic analysis on this page. You can learn more about Miss Lisa Kozla and get a reading with Miss Lisa Kozla by going to our website at lisakozla.com. Miss Kozla, always an honor. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guest and my sister from another mother, Miss Pamela Page. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Sellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.